Bienvenidos a la Midwest Flavis Podcast. I am your host, Joey Basayo. And to my right, you have Cal Ness. Hola, and, hola. And we have a special guest. It is the Goose Wizard himself, the owner of DRC Call Company, Corey Loeffler. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on, dude. Hell yeah. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Thanks it for is. having me. Of yeah, course, dude. We got him loose before we started. <laughs> yeah, he's drinking. Yeah. Wait, what? Outlaw tequila. What else are you drinking? Salmon blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Some of that going. good Kenai River salmon. That'll get you going. Oh, my God. No, good. I just want to start off the podcast by saying that this podcast is sponsored by First Light. So if you guys haven't checked out their new stuff for 2023-2024 waterfowl season, rugged wool, we've got the straight line stuff. It is badass, so go and check that stuff out. Have you tried it, Corey? Tried any First Light on yet? Um... Any of the new first light? Probably Max Barda's yeah. jacket. Okay. Or I touched it. You touched it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Touched it. You should. I'll check it out. <laughs> Firstlight.com. Everyone else should check it out, too. So, anyway, unbelievable. Hey, Carter, intro music? Yep. Fun fact, this is actually from one of our videos. Mm-hmm. Where where can you find those? YouTube. 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 Oh, okay. Cinematic Hunts, educational films. There we go. Yeah, educational content. We'll plug for YouTube in case Hell you guys yeah. haven't heard about that. Unbelievable. Uh, Corey, I keep hearing all these rumors that you're just like crazy organic don't eat from a grocery store guy. Do you buy anything from a grocery store? We buy some stuff, some milk. Um, <laughs> not a lot. Ice cream. Something you can come up with. I'm surprised you're not into the raw milk deal. Oh, gosh. I have a story about raw milk. Please is tell. It, is it bad? It nearly destroyed me. Oh, no. Oh, oh, yes. Joey needs to hear this. Oh, Chess. Joey, sit down for this one. I will tell you a good story. I am sitting, okay? <laughs> so, had this dog um, where... Max Barda's dog came out of. Mm-hmm. Her name is Red. She has she had a litter of puppies, and she was not a she was a super high maintenance. We can say bitch. She was a bitch. She was, yeah. She, she was a bitch. Yeah. yeah. So high maintenance. You can swear on the podcast. Okay. By the way. <clears throat> um, bitch. Fuck. So <laughs> she would not leave those puppies for nothing, which seems like it's a good thing, and it wasn't. Anyway, I was like. She wasn't eating, so I thought, I'm going to go to the dairy and get some milk out of the bulk tank, milk, cream, all of the good stuff, maybe mm-hmm. some colostrum, whatever, and I'm just going to get her to drink that. She's going to want to drink that. She wasn't drinking water. She wasn't being a very nice bitch, so, <laughs> and I just didn't think she was getting enough calories to feed all these puppies, so anyway, I go get that stuff and bring it home. She didn't want to have anything to do with that, and I was like, we can't waste all this milk, so I drank some of it, and I had, that was on a Friday, and I had a plane ticket to Alaska on Monday night or Tuesday morning, and on the plane ride there, I started getting pretty queasy in the stomach, and it's bacteria called campylobacter set in in my lower intestine and i was bleeding for days i could not i could not fish 
like more than a hundred yards away from a porta potty, and I still managed to kill a hundred fifty pounds of fish and bring them all home. I just couldn't do it very far away from a porta potty. Went to the emergency room, drove myself there, which is if you know me, that like I would have had to have been on my deathbed to do that. So yeah. do oh that whole God. thing. Um, actually had to crap in a bucket in the emergency room room. They didn't send me to a bathroom, just like had, put put an IV in me, I think, and put me on a bed. And then they wheeled in a, what do you call them things? Like a shitter, whatever, into the yeah. room. Wheeled that in. And they're like, okay, well, shut the curtains, do your business. I mean, it smelled like <laughs> you threw 400 early season honkers in that room. It was the most vile disgusting thing and right after i did that i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna die just from like gasification over here and like a doctor came in and another doctor came. like it was just like oh just go see how Corey's doing right after i just dropped this bomb and it was like you violated know, the uh, room it was so bad you felt bad you know it was the it was it was anyway so we should move on. Well, anyway, that's my story with raw milk. Like, I'm not afraid of it. I'll try it again. <clears throat> I just should have got it from a more reputable source. Mm. It was a nasty old bulk tank I, that I got it from. Because when oh, you got it from the bulk tank. From the bulk tank, which uh, they only sell to the pasteurization plant. So wasn't the smartest. Well, that thing was I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, you fucked up. Stupid, stupid. Yeah, it was Holy bad, shit. dude. Because I went there. I went to the place where we get it from. And they're like, yeah, it's at 48 degrees, so you're going to have to wait until it gets down to, like, 38. Because mm-hmm. that's when it kills all the bad bacteria. I was like, okay, cool. Two hours later and 39 awkward conversations later, she's like, do you have your shotgun, by the way? You said you would shoot pigeons for us. And I was like, thank God. So I went and shot pigeons for her. I shot 10 for 25 shells. Not bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yep. And I'm still, and I come back and it's still like 42 degrees. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and her son was just like eating rocks in the driveway. I'm like, what is going on oh. here? You know, he's just like sitting next to my truck because I'm just like going on TikTok and Instagram. And he's just like making circles in the gravel. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> this is so weird. And he goes, do you like walks? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, me too. Puts one in his mouth and walks away. I'm like, oh my God. But I've never gotten sick from raw milk. It tastes so much better, dude. It's good. So good. Yeah, it was delicious going down. Coming out, hurt. Bad. Really bad. For days. Emergency room bad. I lost a lot of weight on that trip. Inadvertently. Didn't try to. Were you actually bleeding? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. That would scare the shit out of me. Did you have an idea of what you had? Not the not. I didn't know that it was Campylobacter. They found that out with the stool sample. I just knew it was something from the raw milk because it hurt down there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway. Okay, so so. you buy milk from the grocery store. Yeah, we get that there. But is that it? (laughs) Pretty Um, much cheese. Yeah, some cheese and butter and stuff like that. Um, nothing much. There's some grocery popcorn. Yeah. yeah, buy popcorn. But like yeah. your main sustenance is from yeah. you. Like there's nothing like the boxed foods or all just extremely anti-vegetable oil, which yeah. is an, an umbrella of sunflower and corn and soybean and canola, rapeseed, all of that stuff. So terrible for you. Pure cancer, total chemistry project. Um, anti that stuff, we'll start looking at 
ingredients lists on boxes of anything. It's full of that. So we just stick to natural stuff, stick to the good stuff that I, you know, that we uh, grew in the garden or caught it on a fishing rod or shot it with a bow or a shotgun or something like that. That's pretty much right. What we try Cal, to stick to. Cal gives me a bunch of shit because I'm like conspiracy guy. Hmm. But let's go at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, you think about it, it's like, what did our ancestors survive on? And it's like, oh, okay. None of like not xylitol yeah. and gar gum, mm-hmm. like it's none of that shit. Mm-hmm. Why is that in everything? Yeah. Why is yeah. rapeseed oil and safflower safflower oil and sunflower oil in literally everything? Mm-hmm. It drives me nuts. Yep. And I started. No, it is bad. Roy and I went on the carnivore diet for like twenty five days. I've never felt better mm-hmm. in my entire life. Yep. Like animal products, a couple of fruits, a couple of vegetables, and it was incredible. I lost 13 pounds, wasn't trying to, yeah. but I felt like I was 15 again. Like I have back pain every once in a while. And like every once in a while, my left knee will hurt because I got into a car crash. Mm-hmm. None of it hurt. My energy was at a hundred percent the entire day until I went to sleep. I slept unbelievably. Yep. And so there was no food dyes. There was no oils. There was no bullshit. We were eating ghee butter and butter that we made ourselves. And dude, I just felt incredible. And then when I started introducing like bread mm-hmm. back in, Back to the carbs. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like shit for yep. five days. Mm-hmm. It was it's crazy. Do you avoid a lot of carbs? I try to. Yeah. I freaking love ice cream. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it's so good. I hate that I love yeah. that so much. That's a bad deal. I quit it. <clears throat> you mostly eat vegetables from your garden and meat that you kill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, um, what's his name? Computer guy. You know, he had a lot to do with the C word. He's he's into the vegetable market now. If you know oh, what yeah. I'm talking about, really rich guy. Uh-huh. With he's the buying up all the farmland. Appeal. BG, stuff. some might say. Mm-hmm. That right, dude. Right. Yeah. Microware or something. Is that his company or used to be <laughs> soft? We're trying not to get canceled here. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. anyone doesn't realize that. Follow along, folks. Um, no, that guy's bad news. And it anything seems that he evil touches dude. or has an idea in. Um, nope, I'm staying away from it. So vegetables from the grocery store, man, they look good, but they look a little too good. When you grow that stuff and realize how hard it is to grow stuff that looks like that, but it actually tastes way better. Um, that's like, when you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like broccoli. We can't grow broccoli in the garden. It grows, but the bugs freaking eat it so fast. But you got to think if you're this plant growing there and you have sugars, in your in your in your body if you're a plant you have these sugars everything wants the sugar and everything's trying to get it you'd have no defense mechanism a white-tailed deer can run away a goose can just fly away that's its defensive mechanism yeah but if you're a broccoli you don't have wings did you know that joey Mm -hmm. so you can't you're not going anywhere you're just (laughs) going to get eaten so the the white butterflies out in the garden are laying their eggs for their little green worms and i mean there's those things are just socked full of green worms the heads of broccoli the only way to get rid of them is just chemicals and chemicals are there any green worms in the broccoli in the store no that stuff is perfect because it's yeah. loaded with chemicals that you can't see. So, and all of the stuff is like that. So, um, no, you don't really need anything more than just some milk and butter and steak and eggs. You survive on that. And then garden stuff that we grow and harvest ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
we don't we just don't harvest a whole lot of broccoli because it just gets eaten by the little damn green bugs and right. um, white butterflies lay the eggs. That Have you heard into- a couple of the new studies that a lot of vegetables are not good for you? Oh hell yeah! All of the studies. It's well, terrible. like like mushrooms are naturally incredibly carcinogenic. Oh. <laughs> Like incredibly, like they cause cancer. Wow! And that's their defense mechanism. Is same with kale. Kale is super bad for us, apparently. <laughs> because that's that. their defense mechanism is to like give off this chemical when it's being digested. And it's super bad for you, apparently. It I'm like, like shit. I hate kale. Yeah, not me good. too. It tastes like I, shit. I love. I kale. love mushrooms though. I love mushrooms. Mushrooms so are good. Fuck. I'm a I mushroom. I have a kale secret for you. We grow a lot of kale. We did last year, not this year. Um. But if you want to make ta- kale taste amazing, you let the deer eat it first. Nice. <laughs> That's a fucking really good idea. Yeah, because backstraps are the best thing in the world. So there you go. It's a good idea. Yeah, fill them mm-hmm. with the carcinogens and then. Uh, they like filter it out. They have livers and stuff. So yeah, they crap it out. But, Unreal. Um, That's how, I mean, that's my favorite kale recipe right there. Hell is yeah. just like. Backstraps and fried in butter or on the grill or whatever. So yeah, backstraps are fire. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we live on a sheep farm, right? And so uh, one of the sheep we call here. a ram ranch. We do call it yeah. ram ranch. Um, <laughs> one of the sheep uh, broke its leg and they couldn't find a butcher. So they're like, Joey, can you do it? And I'm like, Oh shit, I haven't butchered a deer since I was 15. Mm. So it was 15 years ago. So I called my father-in-law, and Sherburne County would call him every time there was, like, a half-dead deer, and they'd bring it to his house. He'd butcher it and whatever. So mm-hmm. he would they would eat roadkill all the time, but it wasn't dead. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, hey, Mike, whatever, whatever, you know, we got to put down the sheep, and they're going to give us all the meat. And he's like, I'll do it. And he's, like, very Iranian. They're like, old school. Yeah. And uh, we were trying to, like, I don't want to mess up the meat. I don't know how to quarter it up right and, like, process it right in the freezer. And he comes over, and he just cuts it like a deer. Cuts the back straps off. But lamb chops, you, like, cut up the rib into the back strap. So you have, like, that chunk of meat mm-hmm. on top. Yeah. But we had, like, 20-inch back straps of lamb. Yeah. Dude, that was ridiculous. Good stuff. Oh, so good. But I haven't butchered deer since I was a kid. Mm. So I kind of want to get back to that. Yeah. What's your favorite way to make duck or goose? Just, like, pick one. Pick your favorite recipe. Like, what? Your go-to, you want to blow people away. Oh, someone says to you, you I want to impress like someone. Duck. Yeah, you're gonna take out the head of Cargill. It's the you know, it's the hot duck. It's the Dakota duck sandwich. The hot Dakota duck sandwich, which is the sister to the Nashville hot chicken. Okay, that one. That's it. Really, it's a banger. It's a, it's absolutely amazing. Which is what you just talked about on ten minute Tuesday. Ten minute Tuesday. Yeah. In case you missed it, you're gonna have to go back and listen to that. Oh, we explained in detail every step of the way there. But Write absolutely, second favorite. We heard that one. Taco, <laughs> taco, meat. thigh, goose thigh, taco. It could be goose thighs. It could be duck thighs. Goose. There's more meat there. Um, Sandhill crane thighs. We've done those into tacos. But that thigh meat. Um, Absolutely. Thigh, drummies and thighs all in one, um, minus the foot, the web. But, yeah. uh, yep. That's Can you, do you think it's because they use their breast muscles so much more than their leg muscles? Do you think that's why it tastes so much better? 100%. It's a different color. It's a different texture. It's more, it's more, uh, there's more connective tissue, most, more silver skin in the legs and thighs, so they take a long time to break down. So that's why you have to use the... A slow cooking method, Instapot, yeah. is probably the best because it takes 90 minutes 
you can use the Dutch oven crock pot as well. But um, the connective, so breast meat is totally different than leg meat and thigh meat. So the legs and thighs have all of the connective tissue in there that breaks down into a gelatinous, glorious tasting jelly kind of a thing. Um, mm. Like if you have turkey soup or chicken soup and make your own soup broth and then it gets, uh, and you cool it down, mm. it's, you know, it's, when it's hot, it's Thick. liquid. And then when it cools down, it's, it's like a big thing of chicken jello. Gelatin, so yeah. that gelatin, it is actually, you know, it, that's what it really is. Um, that stuff, it just provides a different texture. So you can't take these recipes can they just don't turn out as well but you can't take these recipes i'm talking about or the thighs and legs and just substitute breast meat because it's easier to get off of the bird like if if i'm talking thighs and legs use them because you can make the two things side by side and there's a world of difference but different cuts of meat they're totally different preparations and how to best eat them utilize them i've always found that it's very hard to get that from the bird Mm -hmm. what's like the easiest way that you found to get it off on legs and thighs it's yeah. pretty simple like take um taking cut them around pretty much right here around the it's their ankle but you you could call it the knee because most people would identify it as the knee ring that and then slice it up the groin basically peel that skin back and then cut through this joint right here um the knee joint cut through that and then break that off and then leave the skin connected on the backside. And then when you pull that off, it will pull the foot, the leg, and then all of the skin stays on that side. So now you have like the end of a drummy and then just the drummy and the meat on, on the other hand. Do so you have like, a video of this somewhere? Probably. I don't, yeah. Well, maybe not that exact thing, but uh, I could, could film one. But yeah, like the hand and the feathers... Or I mean the the foot and the feathers stay in one of your hands, and then the other hand you grab the drummy and pull it the other way, and then you have the meat, everything that you're gonna eat, and then you just pop the thigh open, slice it quick, the thigh or the the hip bone pops out of the hip socket, you cut that around, and you got your drummy. It's mm. it's yeah, with some practice, it's you literally, have to do it a couple of times. Yeah, just practice. It's literally five to ten seconds per leg. It's the best meat on the bird, hundred percent. Because, like, doesn't Montana have that law that you need to mm-hmm. take the legs out? Yeah. I was kind of worried about that going to Montana. Mm-hmm. And the guys that we were we were with a guide, and they were like, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll do that. And I'm watching him do it, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's not bad. Yep. Yeah. But they, they've done it a lot of times. It's a little bit messed up because you can leave the neck meat <clears throat> on an elk, which is be 20 pounds of meat. You don't legally have to take that, but you legally have to take the legs and thighs of ducks and geese. I'd, I'll take it all, but it's just a little bit backwards how they have that rope. Well, and speaking yeah. of that, dude, there I've noticed, especially with today's technology, there's a lot of laws that are so outdated, like so outdated. Dude. So it's kind of like a two-part question. Why the fuck do we have to put the stamp on the, on the license? <laughs> <laughs> it's on there. It says I bought it, dude. Yeah. Like it says right there that I bought it. I, th- I saw that this year... I think, or soon. Yeah, it's electronic. It's electronic now. now. And yeah. then they'll mail you the stamp after the season. 
like I just that has blown me away for yeah. the last like five. I just cannot understand that. Like, because you're gonna give it away to somebody, they still have to have the license that says they bought it. Mm-hmm. So like, I can give my stamp to a guy, but that doesn't mean anything. Yep, signed in ink. You know, oh. Whatever. It's crazy, dude. The one that pisses me off, I don't know if it was 1919 or 1929, mm-hmm. where it's uh, uh, traveling across straight state lines, mm-hmm. where there needs yep. to be a wing on. Yep. With today's technology, and like you have a photo, and it's like, these are the only birds that we killed, right? And here's the location, especially with an iPhone, it shows you where you took the photo. Mm-hmm. Like You can tell the difference between a goose and a duck and a crane mm-hmm. and a pheasant. Why is it like that still? I mean, I know why it's like that. I don't know why it's like that still, but they were all wrote to protect the waterfowl from overharvest from market hunting. So that's the language that they wrote all the laws with was when the canvasbacks almost died. Then they're like, whoa, 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 we got to stop all this stuff. So then they wrote a whole bunch of laws with language. Think of how much our human language, the English language has, yeah, sorry, not human but English language has <laughs> changed in just the last five to ten years. Five years. Well, think of the dot, the lingo, or the the lingo that your daughter uses. Hey, that's lit, bet, fam. <laughs> on God, uh-huh. on God. Yep. It's too okay. much. So this crap was wrote over a hundred years ago, right? And we have to try and read it and make sense of it, and then follow yeah. these laws. Otherwise, some federal warden's gonna come shove his boot up our butt. You know, it's like, no, not it's not cool. It's it's uh, an overreach on their part. Um, those laws are insanely hard to understand. And I'm not talking about our Minnesota state, your Minnesota state handbook, whatever. Those are pretty straightforward for the most part. But the, the federal laws are uh, just a crazy just a, deal. A whole nother podcast. Yeah. How, do you, series. how do you think we can go about to change that? Because it's driving me nuts. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, just think about it this way. Become a game processor. Um, so s- s- get registered as a game processor. Uh, and then you can uh, abide by and follow a, a whole bunch of different rules that uh, so you don't have a possession limit. You register everything that comes in. You keep a logbook. And then you can set up a mobile game processing unit. So if you go on a trip somewhere, you don't have a possession limit. So there's kind of some ways around it that they wrote. You just follow them. Have you done that? I haven't personally, but like all the um, outfitters and hunting lodges that do things the right way, they are all set up as um, they're all game set processors. up as game, game processors. That's what uh, yeah. Angel Wing yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he set up a different LLC and did that and processes all of his. Uh, yeah. That's he, so cool. Meat through himself, yeah. Yep, I mean, for sure. Literally is he? Literally is a meat processor. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. That's the first I had ever heard of it. Yep. Me too. But yeah. is there is there any way that we can go around and try to change that? Because that we have Moha in Minnesota, and I've gone to three meetings now and brought it up to them, and they don't give a shit. Good luck. They don't no. give a shit. All those they are, care about is Malax fishing. Yeah, I think those are feel good meetings. Yeah. Um, that's yep. where the DNR makes their minds up before the meeting and says, we're going to hold a public meeting here and pretty much tell you what we're going to do. Right. But your input is much greatly appreciated. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No so real quick, Corey, mm-hmm. um, our spot, our podcast is sponsored by my Ammunitions. I don't know if you've ever shot it before, mm-hmm. but, bit. but they have that, uh, they have the patented stack loading and it is absolutely bonkers there what it go. does to birds. It's, 
sick. We were shooting our 20 gauges last year, and it was like wrecking geese mm -hmm. at like 50 yards. Yeah. You know, you yeah. shoot two in the hole, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you see one flying away that's kind of crippled, and you just... Hold on, boys. Hold on. Yeah. Give me a second. It was turning heads all year last year, but you guys can go online and find Migra and find an online retailer. Pick some up for yourself uh, on their website. It is really Consistent. good stuff. What shot do you like? 2-4 is a killer. Okay. And then we shot a lot of 2-BB, uh, and then 1-3 one, one, three. One, three is a hammer. There you yeah. go. Mm -hmm. One three, one three is a hammer. Awesome. And this year they're coming out with a four six, so four steel, six bismuth, mm. timber plus. Yeah. Okay. I'm so excited to shoot that. All right. For like a twenty gauge. Yep. Ducks At and ducks. Ducks. Be a good load. Ooh, great timber load. So I'm I'm obsessed with it. Honestly, it's like really good. And one of the things that we've actually really prided ourselves on with Midwest Flyways is choosing really good companies to work with. Mm-hmm. And that one I'm very pumped about. Awesome. Oh, Obviously, Outlaw is awesome. And then Migra is just like, I don't have to worry about, like, is it going to click? Yep. I've had one click, and that's because it was sitting in the bottom of my blind bag in water for about two months. Nice. Good, good. So that's my fault. Deserved it. Perfect. Yeah. Unreal. Um, Corey, I wanted to ask you, I know that you render a lot of duck and goose fat. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little about that process and, like, how to do that? Yeah. So the, probably my favorite um would be january february march honkers will have the most end ducks will have the most fat on them and then um may snow geese in saskatchewan um the snow goose thing is kind of what really opened my eyes to it and how fat and completely obnoxiously obese that a bird can get uh so if you have <laughs> never hunted snow geese in the spring in Saskatchewan when they're heading back up north to nest is a, it's a very eye-opening experience because coming from um, chasing snow geese in the lower 48, uh, just seeing birds that are like physically fit like marathon runners, right? you know, like not an ounce of fat. And well, you can see go for this years. like one of the few birds that I've seen where they have the the sternum here mm -hmm. and the meat is always raised above the sternum. They're they're the, muscle men. They're ripped. They're yeah. ripped. Yep. Dude. And and they are set up to fly a long ways for that in the lower 48. Now, here's when the the jaw dropping thing happens. They I always used to think that the race in the springtime they're pushing the, the snow line so hard to get to the breeding grounds to establish a nest. That's not true. The race is to get to the last carbohydrates, the last cereal grain fields in Saskatchewan to absolutely gorge themselves on carbohydrates and before they fly over the forest and before they establish their nest. So that's what the race is. That's what they're racing down wow. here when they're pushing that snow line so they get up there and they chill out and they hang out for like two three weeks they don't leave they just sit there so like you go to um hunt with say northern skies outfitters up in saskatchewan um by sort of close to prince albert area like that's where yeah. the forest starts and the grain fields stop right in that area um those snow geese like almost can't fly out of shotgun range up there. They are so fat. You get like May 10 to May 16. And like, usually it's so wild because, and I have not seen this for my own eyes. Uh, I've always left 
Canada like about the 16th or 17th, so I haven't seen it. But it's like there will be snow geese everywhere on the 18th, and on the 19th, they're gone. It's like they oh all gosh. know, and it'll be like Ross, uh, some pockets of small pockets of Ross geese left. But it's just like on one day, the snow geese are like, we gone, and they're out. But uh, up until then, those things are so insanely fat. They, they're bursting at the seams. Killed a neck collar, Ross goose up there, and that thing got trashed. Um, the the bird itself, and I was gonna bring it home and put it on the wall. So we. What do you mean it got trashed? Just like it, they just blow open when they hit the ground. They explode, really? and their guts. Oh my! God. Literally, their guts go everywhere. Almost every bird that hits the ground, they just poof, they blow open, no and they'll way. be just huge. Like their skin is so. Their skin isn't thinner, but there's just so much greasy fat everywhere that, like, there's blobs of fat, and they hit the ground, and they blow open. So it was like it took us 20 Roskies to sift through to try to find one, like, worth putting on the wall. Oh, my God. Because to put the collar on. To put the collar on that one. So, yeah, it's on. It's in the call Holy shop. Holy shit. I've never heard of that before. It's Me neither. Mind-blowing. So, anyway, these geese are insanely fat. Um, and so where they store most of that fat is in their by their pelvic area and they're so fat and the skin is like just super thin and just easy to peel it apart you can't you can't pluck those birds like if you could pluck one i mean i want to watch you because it's gonna take you're just gonna rip it i mean like one feather at a time type of deal like it just rips so easy so the main part uh the main body part where they store all that fat is in their pelvic cavity inside of there and it's like on a little snow goose little compared to a honker you can get baseball size gobs of fat out of these birds they're they're freaking massive sumo wrestlers they're huge because they're reserve nesters right they do not eat anything when they get to the tundra the the grass up in the tundra is like gone it's gone that's why it saved the tundra right well kind of um it's not the snow geese wrecking the tundra for the snow geese it's the snow geese wrecking the tundra for other birds that have to nest in those exact same uh. spots. Um, snow geese can pretty much nest all across the tundra. So like you go all the way left over to Russia and all the way to the right over to north of Churchill and Nunavut, all that stuff. Baffin Islands, like everywhere, they don't care. They can go and ruin and wreck and eat whatever anywhere and they'll be successful. Super prolific bird. Um, but say some shorebirds or something, some like little yellow legs with them long beaks and stuff. Those yeah. little Those little bastards fly... Or like down to Mexico in the wintertime and then all the way up to the top of the globe to nest. And like they have to nest at this one little spot right on the edge of the water and whatever. Um, so those are the birds they're kind of more concerned with. And it's because of predators will find them and but, trash well, them or they just the, won't lay nests. The, the snow geese have just eaten everything out around there. So then that little bird can't survive. But the snow goose is like, oh, I just wrecked this. I just ate all this, so I'm just going to go move over here. I don't mm. care. But that little bird has to stay there. Snow goose, he can just go it's a mile prolific. this way. And, yeah, they're not. They're little pansies. The snow <laughs> geese are crazy impressive. So, yeah, they get just fat, just huge sumo wrestler. And then they go up there, establish a nest, and literally hatch out however many little ones and eggs um, with their stored fat reserves. And I don't even know when the tundra grass would start to come up i mean in late june you'd have nearly 24 hours of daylight up there so the grass is going to start to come up then because of so much sunlight um so you can start to get a little bit of nutrition then but not much and it's not probably until you know later 
July and then into August when they actually can start eating again. So it's their bodies are bonkers. Like just imagine a marathon runner running a marathon from, you know, Arkansas to Saskatchewan. That's the, where they fly. Three day, three weeks of cheat days. Yeah. And then three <laughs> weeks of just nothing but double cheat days. <laughs> I mean, Unbelievable. Marathon runner to 700 pounds in just like two weeks. And then like oh they just God. fly around. They can't even hardly get out of shotgun range. They're just cruising around in singles and pairs. And it's like the pre-rut. <laughs> so you could see, uh, you could see a bunch of snow geese, um, a snow goose feed out in a field when it's like that pre-rut stuff. There might be 500 snow geese out in this field, but they will cover every inch from this road to that road to that road. Like there'll be two here. Holy shit. Go 200 yards. There's two here. Go 50 yards. There's two here. Like there's 500 of them out there, but they, they're spread out over a whole section. It's like, unreal. Just super weird stuff. You'd like, can't even imagine that they're the same species. If you've run around the Dakotas and look at, there was 150,000, yeah. you know, you could put a, hula, feet, put a hula hoop around them, yeah. you know, and then there's 500 spread out over like two miles. <laughs> it's just, they're, they're super crazy birds and just how much they uh, transform in such a short period of time, all for survival. So anyway, go up there, you shoot them, tons of fat on the birds, take all the fat out of there, put it in a pot. Do you put, literally just like scoop it out? Oh yeah, just handfuls. Just hand. Oh, it's, it's just fat. There. It's just fucking fat. Some like veins through there, a little bit of connective tissue, but it's just all just globs of fat. And then um, put it in a pot. I, I wash it usually a little bit with some salt water, salt it down and stuff and kind of um, I smell it. So like if a bird's shot through the guts, then no good. Like that's right. like the one bad apple ruin the whole batch thing careful on that stuff so you want headshot and wingshot birds um just yell at your buddies and tell them to shoot them in the head do not shoot them in the butt because you're so easy just right? wreck them um so do that sift through find the good stuff put it in a pot put a little bit of water in there put a lid on it put on super low heat for probably like all day pretty much and that all that fat's just going to liquefy and separate out from the water and then just let it cool down. Um, you can strain it out then to get the hard stuff, the connective tissue out of there. Um, the most you using cheesecloth or what are you cheese using? Cheesecloth works really good. Like anything, you're up in Canada in the middle of nowhere, so you're just going to use whatever you got. Like, right. Yeah, I could use a shirt strainer. or something, a strainer a or anything. <laughs> I'm just going to do most. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to do a little bit of the work up there and then kind of finish it and refine it when I get home. But, uh, but yeah, cheesecloth is perfect. That's what you want to use. And then strain it through that. Um, just cool it down, let it harden. You got a big jug of Crisco looking lard. Yeah. It's pure white. Is it technically called tallow? Would be probably called snow goose fat. Snow Render. goose tallow or yeah. No, I don't know. Um, I, well, we just made beef tallow mm -hmm. the other day. It's probably uh, beef tallow. Did it come from like around the kidneys inside those big, huge blocks? I don't think in so. There? Not sure. Okay. I don't think so. Um, yeah, something like that. Mm. But it's uh, it's got a really high flash point. It's awesome for frying fish in. It gets super crispy and really amazing fish because it just fries the outside and keeps the inside golden. super moist and golden. I use it for... I don't know, anything. Frying vegetables and frying fish. eggs and fish and frying. What made you want to go through all this effort to just, learn about this shit? I just 
like bulldozed a trail and said, I think I can use this. And was I'm it like the health weird. aspect or was it like you really want to utilize every part of the bird? Uh, yeah, just the utilization. Like, I wonder if you can eat this stuff. I'd never heard of anyone doing that or eating it. It's like, I think you should be able to consume this fat. So he did a little bit the one day and cooked some potatoes in the fat. And they're like, you are crazy. I was like, oh, we're going to try it. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be good. And then the potatoes were awesome like breakfast hash brown type potatoes yeah did that and then so i just harvested a whole bunch of the fat and then started so all the guys were all the guys were jake slamp um sam thompson might have been there uh, i wonder who else was there um but yeah those guys were like looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate what in the hell are you doing? Because they were cleaning the birds, pulling the breasts out, and yeah. then chucking the birds in the pile. And then I'm going through the, the dead bird pile, grabbing birds out of there, like looking at them, seeing where they were shot, grabbing the fat out of there, you know, like like I was sifting through the garbage. Yeah, you know? they think you're right. crazy. Yep. Oh, yeah. They know I'm crazy. I am for sure crazy. So um, and I can, think it's badass. Yeah, it's super cool. It. So, I, I mean, I stumbled upon that, and then I did a little bit of research, and then I was, oh, other people do this too. So I kind of just stumbled upon it by myself and blazed my own trail i didn't know what the heck i was doing and no idea it was going to work out and then it's like oh shit this stuff is good you can cook with it and it's amazing so then i started doing that more and more uh, with the honker fat plucking a lot of honkers um those birds the snow geese up there you can't hardly pluck them at all but the honkers down here you can pluck those ducks you can pluck those so i'm always plucking mallards if nothing i'm plucking the breast and then breasting the bird with the skin on. With the skin and fat on. Mm. And then mind-blowing. Yeah. Change. So. So I got I got one thing for you. Um, that's unbelievable, first of all. That's, that makes me really want to, like, try out some new shit. Mm-hmm. Like, but I just, I got to find the time and, like, really. It's probably like a solo hunt, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to shoot them unless I know I'm going to hit them in the head yeah. type of a deal. And let's utilize the entire bird, right? Yep. But, um. You might not remember this, but it was probably 12 years ago now, mm-hmm. came to Game Fair, and I grew up hunting with a Tim Grounds guide flute my entire life because my dad used to hunt with Tim. Mm-hmm. And so right before we're starting the YouTube channel, I uh, I went to Game Fair, and I knew that short reads were a thing then. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going through Game Fair, and I wasn't with my dad or anything. I'm walking around, and I come across your booth. And you had like the life sentence, and I think you had something Tim, else. Like the inmate or the yeah. mod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably blowing the mod in some contests back then, mm-hmm. not that many years ago. And way back in the day, I had asked Adam and Grady, I'm like, hey, can you teach me how to blow a short read? And they're like, I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. Call this guy. Call that guy. Too busy. Call this guy I've never met. Too busy. Cool. So I go to Game Fair and I come to your booth. And I'm like, hey, I've blown a flute my entire life. I know how to blow a flute. I know how to blow a double clock and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And you were working with me for like five minutes. And I was like right at the end of my rope where like no one's helping me. And I think I bugged you or something. <laughs> and and I'm like, I don't like hey, this. How, do I, how do I do this? And you're like, man, you'll figure it out. And you just kind of like <laughs> turn to the next person. And I'm like, Jeez, what a dick. Cool. And I was like, totally going to buy a call from you. And I'm like, cool. All right. So then I walked away. Ouch. No, this is very true. Oh, my God. And then I called Tim Grounds and I bought a um, a G overhauler from him. And honestly, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. 
And I'm like, I just have to fucking figure it out. Yep. And I figured it out. So I just wanted to thank you. Like, you just got to figure it out. No, Thanks you, for being you an asshole. Help, you helped me figure it out, though. Because if you would have been like, if you would have sat with me for like 30 minutes, I probably would have been like, I need to go back to Corey. Yeah. It's like, I have to wait till next game fair. And this is like pre social media, too. So I'm just like, yeah, that's tough. And I'm just like, oh, man. But it like broke me. I'm like, I have to fucking figure it out. I figure it out. And I figured it out after awesome. a long time. But I figured it out. I'm going to use that line more. No. Figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just got to figure Dude, it out. You just got to figure it out, man. It's oh. unbelievable. Yeah. I love that. Corey, another one of our sponsors that I know that you use all the time is Onyx. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me what your favorite feature of Onyx is? Well, I just use Onyx Hunt to put some of that delicious salmon on your plate 20 minutes ago. It was unreal, by the way. Mm-hmm. So good. Utilizing that up in Alaska, looking for that permission to access yeah. the river. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, on X, man, I'm pretty excited about the two finger touch distance feature, line distance. Yeah. Touch it with two fingers. It gives you the distance between the, the two, two points. points. That's pretty, that's. Pretty you know sweet. that instead of you yeah. just going like clicking this and then yeah. clicking that, going to the tools yeah. and then pulling that up, like just all you have it's to just do quicker. is just quick, just touch these two points and just figure out how far it is. Away. And what are, yeah. what are you using that for? Like how far I have to walk this way to like get around this ravine or something like that, or like um, where a deer trail is or where that is, or goose hunting, duck hunting, where um, a house is, yeah. where yeah, in proximity uh, to you, know, you. yeah, pro- like. Yep all that's like where things are in the field yeah a roost or um power lines yes things vehicles whatever yeah um just i don't know just quick to touch touch with two fingers and there you go hey it's 517 yards okay awesome. yeah no. yeah another one i use a lot is the tracker mm-hmm. you know so like tracking where you walk in through yep. the marsh and stuff because especially like duck slews dude Mm -hmm. once you get in through the cattails it is really hard sometimes (laughs) to figure out where you came in when you're leaving because it's like it's a maze and you can be really lost out there and i'm not serious like i'm not joking 100 yards through cattails you'd be like oh shit yep no we do a ton of walk-in hunting um up there a lot of public land duck hunting stuff and it's like that it's like hey look at this i found this on onyx i think we can get there Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which way is it? Well, let me look at my phone. It's this way. Let's go. Dude, no how lie, though. Go? How often do me and you in the dark just follow an Onyx? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, light. no idea where you're going. You're just blindly following Onyx. Yep. Full trust. Yep. So, yep. my uh, my uh, morning blindness, you know, because you're looking at a phone mm-hmm. screen. If I don't have, like, I hate using headlamp. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Like setting up decoys, doing anything, because the second someone turns on their headlamp, I can't see shit for like 15 minutes. Right. And so you're doing it with your phone. It's like, I can't see two feet in front of me anymore. Yep. I hate that. Yeah. When we bring some people out, they're like, how do you know where you're going? (laughs) And it's just Joey with his phone. He's like, we're good. I'm the lowest brightness. And I'm like, take it away from me as fast as I can. Okay. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Unreal. So you can use our discount code, by the way, MWF20 for 20% off. An elite discount, membership for an elite membership or just a state membership, but should just get the, get elite, the elite right. There's a whole bunch of benefits with the elite membership. Yeah, tons of stuff. Any all state. The time. Oh, all the other discount codes for everything True that. else. Yep, 
There's a ton of discount codes through that elite membership. Too many to name. Check it out. Okay. Right. Love that. So, dude, you're an unbelievable goose caller, right? You yep. won the North Star competition mm-hmm. 25 years ago or something, right? 125 years 125 ago. 125 years ago. That was one. That's how old you can live, guys, by the way, <laughs> if you only eat shit you kill. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I won a couple few contests a long time ago. I was uh, just running that contest scene, driving everywhere. Kels and I, um, usually in her car, Pontiac Grand Prix. Put a lot of miles on that thing. Yeah, she's a beaut, eh? Um, Just, man, so many miles. And won a couple contests, Minnesota State, North Star Regional, North American Masters, um, some other smaller stuff. And I don't know, that like after the North American Masters, like that was kind of it for me. It's like, yeah, "Ah, just good. I don't know. I'm done. I'm over it. I was selling too many goose calls at the time to like make it justifiable to spend all that time in the bullpen and blow in the contest when I could sit in the booth and sell goose calls. I'm like, well, I can, it's just probably not worth it for me to go up. And like, I remember the last contest that I really tried to compete in was at this show. Was that game fair? Uh huh. And there was some, there was some volunteer judges. And I blew in the first round, um, made it to the second round, and like by the skin of my teeth, and I blew my brains out. I like thought really I, well, really well, um, and just bare, like by the skin of my teeth, made it to the second round, and then got cut after the second round. Blew my brains out again in the second round. Thought I was, it was good. I liked it. I loved it. And like usually, I hate it, and got cut. I was like, oh. We're going to find out what the judges said about this one. Go and talk to him. The guy goes, you know, I just think your notes were a little too crisp. I was like, up, oh, I'm had it. Like, that's it. That's all I needed to hear. I'm Damn. done. This is it. I'm over this. I do never. I never want to run into a judge. I've worked for, I don't know how many years that would have been at the time. Like, I've worked for 10 years to try and make my notes as crisp and as sharp as they possibly can get because that's what we're supposed to do up here on the stage and you told me they're too crisp and too sharp like you literally have no clue what you're doing here and i put my faith into you and paid my money so you could judge me it's like i'm out that's it how many years ago was that that was i mean 10 or more Mm. probably i was just no peace out so had enough that was yeah that was the last that was the last one. That was the straw. Right Did you there. start blowing in contests before you were doing DRC stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, um, probably. F- oh, man. I think I competed. My first contest was I pretty positive East Grand Forks Cabela's. Um, I could have been roughly 16. What were you blowing? So in that contest. Or just like that. Man, you know? I think. Um, I it was think like my, you're calling mentor, like think, the call company you're with. Um, no one at then. I think my uncle bought a foils meat grinder polycarb at the Bargain Cave and Cabela's. Yes, and I might I might have used that in that contest. I don't remember. And then it was uh, um, onto another company. Did some work for them a little bit, and then that just didn't go anywhere real fast. And I was like, nope, I need to do my own thing forever. So and it was pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick transition. And I just couldn't really find a call that fit what I wanted. I tried them all out, and 
I would go somewhere and it's like, well, it's like grounds is really comfortable, comfortable to blow, but like my hands are sliding all over the place on the insert. So I just, I need something to hang on to and like the zinc. And I noticed yours are very ribby. Yeah. I on put the insert. Finger, like it was very, I wanted very defined finger grooves on the insert because my hands would slide all over the place. It gets sure. so sweaty and you're all nervous. So yeah. I wanted that. I wanted, uh, um, like an oversized radius on the mouthpiece so you could practice for a long time and your lips won't get sore. Like some of the calls out there have, like the, when they use a cutoff tool in the lathe, they cut them off on that spot and it gets really sharp right there. So I didn't, I knew I didn't want that. Um, so I had an idea of what I wanted in a call and I just couldn't find one on the market. Now you can because the like they're all over the place. Yeah, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting someone that makes duck or goose calls now. So it's true. Um, yeah. And we're so, swinging dead cats a lot. Yeah. yeah. Just wing them around. <laughs> Stacking them up. So I just decided it's time to do your own make, thing. Make, do my own thing. So yeah. I went, talked to my uncle, and I said, he, um, his name is Brian Steiger. And uh, if you guys are familiar with the Steiger tractor, the Steiger Panther and the Steiger Cougar is the very first four-wheel drive tractor that articulates in the middle. Um, oh, wow. Crazy. You know the, those pea green tractors? You guys know what they are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my grandpa's, or my uncle's grandpa, um, he invented that tractor, and they made him in that shop that he still works in today. And uh, so I went to my uncle, Brian Steiger, and I said, I want to make these goose calls, and I need a CNC lathe to do it. That's how you got to make them. And he's like, well, I just bought one. I haven't ran it yet. We haven't plugged it in, but we got one. I was like, whoa, that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, how do we run it? And he's like, here, here's how you run it. And he hands me this stack of programming manuals that are yes. this big. He's like, here's how you run it. I was like, uh, I have no background in this whatsoever. Okay. So I go home and I was selling insurance with my parents at the time. So I was selling insurance during the day, and I would go home at night, and I'm just like flipping through these programming manuals, trying to understand this crap, and it is the most boring stuff you could ever Hell sink yes. your eyes into. Hell yes. So I picked it up, kind of half-assed it, went out there, turned the machine on, started programming, drew some stuff on paper, put it on the computer, plotted some lines out, went to the lathe, made some disgusting-looking things that tried to be goose calls and then just kept refining it, refining it, and then, like, I don't know, m- months later, the life sentence was born, and uh, that we still that's our flagship goose call. We still have that thing in the offering today. Um, it's been, like, slightly refined and smoothed out and stuff like that over the years, the last 15 or so years, but uh, that was how that was born, and then I just wanted to make the shortest goose call possible. Like, didn't yeah, care. I think, I think that, I it, feel like that's your best fucking selling goose call because oh. everyone who hunts lessers has that short drop it's xl wild oh that thing's, thing's nutty that dude. thing's crazy um so what I, made you put the damn what made you make the reed like that where like you can't tune the reed you know yeah, what i like mean the quick tune posts yeah on the calls um i think uh i was talking to sean stall a long time ago um and we were I don't know. We were just talking about reed placement. He's like, there's no reason you want to move the reed forward. I was like, no, you, why, you'd never want to do that. So then Sean designed a quick tune set of guts and I was using those for a while, bought those and then designed my goose wizard guts off of those guts that he designed. So they're all very similar, like geometrically, they're all very similar, but, uh, 
Um, my read is unique, very unique. Um, I just, I'm an, I am a designer, developer, um, inventor, sort of. I do not like to follow or copycat anything. Yeah. Like, that's just my style. I'm not a copycat. I'm not going to go and just take the inner workings of a goose call or duck call and just copy it because someone else made it and they were successful with it and then go and put my stamp or my laser engravings on the outside and call it mine. Like I'm going to design the thing from inside to out, front to back, top to bottom, 100% mine. And then like, go look at the duck call, like that harlot duck call that we just released. Like, look at that thing, take that thing apart. Look at the tone board, look at the read. Everyone that does that, that knows duck call is like, how in the hell did you come up with this? I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> so start chopping some things up. But that's just how I go about everything. I want to I wanna figure it out. I don't want to just copy it and make it. I can do that with anything. I could copy whatever I wanted to copy and just make it. But to design something, you have to understand every aspect of the thing that you're designing so that when you change a variable you know what the outcome is going to be or or you have a pretty good guess. So you yeah. know which variable to change and then how much and then go from there. So um, we've got so many products uh, on the list right now and I'm just getting stuff dialed and going through with it. But like a new set of goose guts soon. We just released the duck call. Spec call is like on the verge of coming out, but I just don't like to release cookie cutter basic stuff like if i'm going to release something i want it to be revolutionary original, original yeah. like mine and i want it to be better than anything that's on the market so like that's my goal all the time when i'm setting forth designing something so the spec call it's like been on my list and on my radar for years but it's just like i struggling to make something that's like monumental or way better than anything else that's yeah. out there they're very very they're very basic they're complicated, but they're very basic as well. Um, it's, it's hard for me to say exactly, define a spec call just in a, in a few words. But uh, um, there's a few things there that I think I've found out and that I'm leaning towards. So we've got some cool things coming out with that. And then that set of goose guts. And then, like, man, projects down the future. In the future, I've got, like, product releases for the next two years planned out. Uh, of all this stuff that I'm working on. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. that's unreal, man. I want to pivot. I want to ask you, mm -hmm. tell me your, we'll go through a couple things here, but tell me your worst hunt you've ever had. Oh, really pivoting here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, what are you excited about? What was the worst fucking day? Yeah, exactly. No, day. we got, we got you excited about some stuff and yeah. now let's talk about, you know, some real stuff. Reel it back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um, the worst hunt, man, this one sticks out in my mind a lot. Um, so I'm a big dog guy and uh, did not have a dog get shot or anything like that. Thank God. Um, no, it's not going to end in that. But um, uh, we were hunting down in Fergus Falls. I remember I was hunting with Ramey Denzel and a lot of everyone knows Ramey Rambo. Um, he's, a, he's a wild man. He's a great dude. Uh, I don't remember who else was in there we were really close to, to dave reese's house in in one of his pits and um i think his boy ben might have been with us that day i can't remember for sure but i know he was it was close uh, it was one of those days in there but um 
So we're, we've got my dog Boone with us and he's going, fetching us some geese. We had an ice eater out in front of the pit and Boone's getting some birds for us. And we sailed this bird all the way across the, sailed it all the way across the CRP field. Goes it's way the heck out there. It's dead. Um, so Dave comes over and checks on us with the ranger and it's a four seater ranger and he comes and checks on us and we're like, Hey, we sailed one and it's that way right there. And he's like, Oh, um, so Ramey jumps in with him and then he's like, throw that dog in here and we'll go and we'll go find it. So they throw the dog in there and he just goes flying across the CRP Ugh, field. Gross. Wide open. And it's snowy. It's late season. It's December. So it's, they can't see anything under the snow. They're just blindly bombing ass through the CRP field and they hit a log or a railroad tie or something big, a rock possibly under the, under the snow that they didn't see. It hit it so hard that it completely blew the tire off the rim. It didn't blow it off, but it dented the rim. It was so sharp, wow. blew through the tire and then dented the heck out of the rim. So the, the wheeler went flying. And my dog was in the back seat, not in a gunner kennel, because I didn't know about gunner kennels at this time. This is pre gunner kennel introduction. Like I'm a huge gunner kennels fan now. Um right. one of the reasons for this exact reason. But um so the dog's in the back seat and I hit that's Boone man and my homeboy and we had been training so hard up to this point, that's making awesome progress training. He flies up into something, into the ceiling, whatever. He just gets tossed around in the yeah. backseat of that ranger and, like, completely tacos him, right? Just Ugh. just folds him in half. And he, down in his, this is going to get a little, some medical terms here, but down in his L7S1, so his very lower back, um, he had an intraverbral herniation, meaning the disc in between his two vertebrae herniated in towards his spinal column, <clears throat> rendering that disc completely useless. So it's just bone on bone right there in his L7-S1. Oh that gosh. junction is what takes all of the abuse and motion from, from locomotion. So when a dog's walking and running, that joint right there takes all of it. So, so it's not hurt that. Yeah. So at like two and some two, he was probably two and some change, I think, he when that accident happened. From two years, he's had just bone on bone contact, like... From two years old, he had the back of a of a twelve year old dog, you know. From two, and then we went on, and he got his master title, uh, his AKC master title, his HRC hunting retriever champion title. I did that, then I sent him to the grand with Chris Aiken. Chris ran him there. Um, he failed the grand. They failed him on the grand on the very last bird of the last day. He passed, smoked everything, um, except he broke on a on the on the upland day on the very last day and then i sent him down to do some pointing stuff with troy benson and then he got his pointing title um like 45 days with troy or something like that the fastest like he just could figure it out he's like what do you want and i'll do it kind of a dog just a yeah. freak and uh, so he did that and then when he i got him back from troy i was like man he is He's like four and some change or, or nearly five years old. He had had a couple litters at that point. And um, it's like something's wrong with him. Like he couldn't jump. He wouldn't didn't want to jump. He was he wouldn't want to run. He was like very lethargic, didn't want to move around. And so 
It's like, oh, he must have tweaked something, hurt his leg, whatever, start doing x-rays, start doing all this stuff, and then find out that that accident caused all of this, and his back has been like an 80-year-old man since he's two years old. Um, so, like, I didn't know any of this happened, and the, the vet's like, when was he in an accident? I was like, I, he didn't show any pain that day of wow, the accident wow. or after because he's freaking, he's psychotic. Like, he's pain tolerance is through the roof. So he was a little bit slow, a little bit stiff, but didn't show any like pain at all. Wow. Um, so then fast forward to x-rays and the vet's like, when was he in an accident? I was like, Oh, he's never been in an accident. He was like, well, he was, I was like, Oh shit. He was like the ranger. I completely forgot about it because he can't talk. He can't tell me like my freaking back is yeah. killing me right now. Yeah. You know, he's just like, let's go hunting. You know, that's his mentality, you know? Right, right. So basically from then on that arthritis in there got so bad. Like I had to retire him at five. Like he was absolutely just skyrocketing with popularity and just, I mean, he picked up in 2019, 18 or 19, which year I forget him right now. Uh, pre, pre C word. Um, I think in 18, good job. He dude. picked up like 64 bands for good me Lord. Wow. like three of them were from Minnesota. I mean, just, we were everywhere together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then that was pretty much, that was like one of his last seasons and he just slowed down. He does, he's just couch dog now. So like, like, Oh, it rips me apart. But yeah, like lost my homeboy because of that hunt and that stupid, accident and that's crazy that. but like his oh i have to leave the house leave the driveway in my truck to go on every hunting trip and he's sitting there in front of the garage wanting to go staring at me like what's up he's like nah he's 10 he will be 10 here in a couple months and like oh sweet just like <laughs> let me take my heart out of my chest and just rip that in half this is cool and he just like waddles and gimps around the house he can't hardly move his back legs and Damn. it's like that's yeah, rough so there we go we uh explored all of it today it's unreal man Ugh, it's tough yeah yeah that sucks so oh uh, what's the best hunt you ever been <laughs> the best hunt oh man oh i mean oh boy you got Tell us a couple fun ones. You gotta you gotta talk about hunts with your kids that's they're yeah. all wild they're all so special leah's First turkey, I mean, that one really stands out. That one was wild. Um, I had fallen asleep, or I was just about to fall asleep. She's five, sitting in the blind with me. I called a little bit. I had been driving around. She fell asleep on me earlier, sitting in the blind. So she got pretty good rest, and I was super tired. So I called a little bit, and I was going go to go to bed, and she's like, there's a turkey. I was like, she's five-year-old kid looking for turkeys out the blind window yeah. i was like are you sure yeah he's coming so i look up sure shit here's a turkey coming walking is funnier than heck so we popped that thing and um like leah's first turkey that one's a good one her for all of her first duck and goose and deer and eva little three-year-old or she's five now she shot a turkey when she was three but just Badass. like all of that all of those kids first birds Help to like get my fire going from like bringing me back to my first hunts and yeah. when I was young, you know, because you start doing it so many days every year, and that fire starts to burn out a little bit, and uh, and then you take someone new and then you watch that fire 
grow and then it stokes your fire a little bit yeah. so it gets me all revved up so i just love that aspect the introduction of of the kids what do you think is the best way in order to so like for all the dads out there that mm-hmm. want to take their kids hunting what was the best way you found to make sure your kid is having fun in the blind because when i was a kid my dad did such a good job of it yeah year and a half he's bringing me out there and my foot got stuck in the mud that's my first memory mm-hmm. and it's just like but i was always warm i was always like occupied snacks he didn't just like give me a tablet yep. you know because yep. it was 2000 and or i'm sorry it was 1995 yep right and so what did you found what have you found is like the best way to get kids interested in hunting and to like keep them interested in it rule number one is snacks absolutely that is it so you have to not just like grab some snacks, grab some snacks, double that, and then grab anything else that could be consumable <laughs> as well. That's what grabbing snacks means. Yeah. It's not just like, yeah, we got three packs of, three packs of, of, uh, of uh, the things. Three whatever. granola bars. Yeah, granola bars. We there got, you go. Yeah, something, whatever. Um, I was thinking gummy bears or whatever. There you go. But uh, <laughs> That's more fun. Um, no, I mean, it's like a lot of snacks more than you think you could ever consume. And that's enough snacks. And then, um, dads are, will the dads or future dads listening to this will be very guilty. I'll guarantee it of being very success or kill focused and kill oriented. That's not what we're doing. That's not why we're out here with the kids. Not our number one priority is not to kill something and fill a tag. So just know that. And I've been guilty of doing that same thing and, you know, having that train of thought, but that's not it. We're out here to experience nature and have a good time. And if we're able to shoot at something, it, would it be a turkey or a duck or whatever, then good. Let that happen. But don't force it to happen. Don't be dragging your kid through the mud at all costs to try do the thing to get you to where you need to shoot. It's like go bird hunting so it doesn't matter if you kill anything or not. Turkey hunting is probably the best. Um, early season goose is probably pretty good too but it, because it's just comfortable weather mm-hmm. and it's just comfortable and it's just fun to be outside. So just yeah. uh, just figure out all the things that can go wrong, mosquitoes and wood ticks. They're going to be both in turkey and goose hunting and uh, bring lots of snacks. And then don't put any pressure on killing anything or filling a tag or whatever it is. Like, that will happen. That will come. We just had to practice just, like, going hunting first. That's what we're doing to initiate the child into hunting. We just have to practice going hunting. That means putting our boots on and getting in the truck and not falling over in the mud. Like, those little things. And then one day, we can practice shooting the gun, you know, at a duck or something like that. But uh, just baby steps. Don't We go out with our buddies, and it's like clockwork. You know, you got the blinds. I got the guns. Who's going to park the trailer? Boom, we got that. We got decoys going. Like, it's all clockwork, and we got all this stuff going on this whole big circus and it's all organized like it's not like that it's just a kid that's gonna screw up everything you could possibly screw up and it's no big deal yeah yeah have fun sweet like to laugh like oh did you go turkey hunting you know what we didn't we uh 
<laughs> saw a bunch of, we fell in the mud once and then we got wet and then we saw some deer tracks and we followed the deer tracks for a while to try and find a deer. Like that was, that was our day one of turkey hunting, you know, like didn't have anything to do with turkey hunting hardly, but yeah. So that's, that's actually some very solid advice for all you homeboys. One thing that I really remember about my dad is he went hunting with Pete, Adam, Grady and all these great guys. Mm-hmm. And but you think about it. So you're going to go out and set up decoys for your son or daughter. You know, it's like half the time it's like, hey, you sit here. I'm going to go do this and I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. It's dark, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being a kid and just being like, oh, where's my dad? Where's my dad? It's so scary here. There's a spider. Oh, my God. Yep. You know, but he always had really good friends that were so good with kids. They made me feel so important and like having so much fun. So I think another thing is like choosing the people that you're taking your kids out with. Mm-hmm. It's like showing them that community and that camaraderie. It's like, that's so much fun. That's 90% of hunting. Yep. You know, like the people that you're hunting with, mm-hmm. it, it fucking matters. Yep. Absolutely. You know? Unreal. But, Corey, I have a great topic for us to close out with. Mm-hmm. But before we do, another one of our sponsors for the podcast is Sound Gear. And I don't know if you protect your hearing currently. Oh, I did not do it soon <laughs> enough. I'll it's bad now. <laughs> what? It's better. Yeah, God. exactly. That gets me every time. So that said, if you don't want to be Corey, then invest the money in your hearing so that you can hear mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. One of the most crucial things, one of the most crucial senses, can't imagine. Right. Can you imagine being 16, literally just not hearing anything? People are talking to you. It's my dad. I know. It's No, really it's bad. like, that's like the number one thing to Alzheimer's mm-hmm. is uh, your loss of hearing. I'm scared yeah. to death. Very scary. And you can use our discount code MF125 on Instant Fits. Gets you 125 bucks off a $400 set of Instant Fits, which they're like currently working on too. So unbelievable. Go do that. Protect your hearing. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Corey, mm-hmm. how has social media changed hunting? Mm-hmm. And like, give me your thoughts on some of that. Oh, boy. <clears throat> well... The insta-famous hunters that don't utilize birds, animals, anything that they've killed, if they're not respecting it, it just goes against how I was brought up and the rules that I followed when I was young, which was like the only things that I could shoot with the 22 were red squirrels and pigeons that I didn't have to eat. I mean, if I shot a gray squirrel, that's, that's big. So like you got to eat that the red squirrels do damage and they'll dig into buildings and stuff like that. So that was the reason like, that's I what could, your parents told you. I um, mean, yeah, I was, my parents lived like right on the edge of town. So it was aunts and uncles. Um, but yeah, we would go out and, and that was, um, that was to, mitigate damage and uh, just clean out the red squirrels from around the farmyard um, because they just get into crap and are building nests and store and digging and chewing through all the stuff and just yeah, wrecking crap. So, whatever. Um, so yeah, that was like, that was okay is to shoot pigeons and shoot red squirrels and you don't have to eat those, but like anything else, anytime you pull the trigger, you can't take that bullet back. Once you pull the trigger, it's gone. And if you want to go shoot a gray squirrel or something, that's fine. But we're eating that. And we didn't go. My my family, aunts and uncles, grandpa, they didn't go deer hunting 
Um, they wanted to shoot a big buck, but it was more so for the meat. And it was all about the meat. So we go hunting. We got getting meat and we're processing it and uh, filling the freezer with it. And it's, you know, it's a whole ordeal and family tradition and stuff. So hunting for me has always been about sustainability, sustenance, and respect for the animal, taking something's life and then using that meat, flesh, hide, whatever it is, and using it to its you know, nearly its full extent or the best of my abilities. And you so, feel like people nowadays aren't doing that because of social media? Or so, social media, the way it ties into that is a lot of people just want to go out and shoot a whole bunch of things and pile them up and take a picture and then just wash their hands of the things that they just killed and they took the lives of after they're done with their picture because the picture is what's important to them because that's what's going to make them look cool. But after the picture's taken, there's no more, there's just work that needs to be done now, like cleaning birds and dumping birds and stuff like that and eating it and no no, how do you prepare it, all that stuff. It's just work after the picture's taken. So a lot of people just view that stuff as just worthless, just work. Just It's just a headache. So yeah. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So take the picture and give me my picture and let me go home, you know? Um and that those guys with that mentality, I just really have a lot of beef with that person because I grew up so much the polar opposite from that. Yeah, you know, all about respect to the animal, like and the resource. Yeah, and the resources. Just paying attention to your gun, what you're doing, what you're shooting, and beyond your target. And then once you pull that trigger, you can never take that bullet back. So it's not we're not we're not bass fishing here. We're not. Yeah, you're no, not putting them back in the water. No yeah. shoot and release going on. No you know? Well, and like so. devil's advocate, do you think that has to do with how they were raised? or Could very well be, yeah. Because my dad puts such an emphasis, because I was shooting guns so young, mm-hmm. like possibly way too young. Sure. And he had put such an emphasis on gun safety mm-hmm. since the day I was born. Yeah. And like I was four years old, he gave me a lever action 22. I'll show you before you leave. But it's the coolest freaking gun ever. And he was like, okay, you need to, like, understand how a gun works. And you need to understand, like, if you're going to point the gun at something, you're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Like, load it or not, you're going to kill it. Yep. And, like, I'm in the blind and I'm just touching my gun and I'm pushing against the safety. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's you push in the safety and then there's a knob on the other side poking mm-hmm. out. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm making sure that that never even comes out. So mm-hmm. I'm just holding on to my gun mm-hmm. right there. Yep. And the amount of unsafe gun handling I've seen in my life makes me not respect that person. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it hurts my soul. So it kind of sounds like that's what it is for you yeah. on using the resource properly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I would agree with that a hundred percent. It's, you know, those first few experiences you have and the way that you're taught to do something or the way that you're brought up sticks in your mind and it's like chiseled. It's like a pattern for the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yep. And that's kind of what you fall back on. So for me, that's the, that's the, the sustenance portion of it and, uh, eating what we're killing and using it to survive. So my grandpa grew up right in the heart of the depression where there right. was no money to be had. No one had any money. So it was 
utilize everything that you can possibly utilize. Trying to survive. Yeah, just trying to survive. And uh, yeah, it was, he had a, a very wild, um, pretty intense childhood. Um, his mom passed away. She had three boys. He was the oldest. She passed away. And then he, he was 14 going to college in Crookston, Minnesota. And then his dad, my great grandpa Oscar, um, just fell into this just super deep, dark depression because his love of his life, the mother of his children just passed away mm-hmm. under very understandably. So he just fell into this super dark depression where he was like, he wasn't able to function. So mm. My grandpa, 14 years old, had to raise his dad and mm. his two younger brothers Holy and his shit. mom just passed away. Like crazy. I mean, like the hero of my life. Right. Like, right. Right. So blessed to have had him, uh, teach me oh man just so much stuff over the years super cool dude um i mean it's a hell of a person to learn from oh yeah so like everything that he taught me like that's stuck up here for sure forever so that's it's like what i go back to all the time and that's why what would he do yeah what would he do and that's how he taught me how to how to raise stuff or, or how raising his grandkids and helping out with his grandkids. Like he always had so much time for, for kids and his grandkids like take us anywhere. And it would take him 10 times longer to get the job done on the farm, whatever. Cause the grandkids were with, but like he didn't care any bit about it. He had so much time for us and just wanted to teach us through example and just always had a smile on his face. So that's who I fortunately got to learn from. And I feel like I learned the right ways on how to do all that stuff. And uh, just super blessed that, that's how it transpired, and I just see a lot of guys doing it in ways that I don't agree with. So I feel like I, they're doing it for the glory. You doing it for the glory, and that's not like my grandpa's super humble. My uncles are, and those are the, the like the men that I learned from, and was that's how I was raised. And um, like I think there's, I think there's a lot of humans out there with penises, but there's <laughs> not a lot of men out there. And like I was. I had I had real men in my life, you know, my dad and uncles and grandpa, like those guys, they're men, like real men. And now you've got just the like the the real man is a dying breed. And there's a lot of really good women out there. You know, there's a lot of real women. Right. But the real man, oh boy. I don't know. So He's, with you being raised by those people, what's some advice that you would give to people my age and younger to be more like that? Oh, just do the right thing when no one's looking. Um, don't, don't do so, oh, don't partake in so many big dick contests. They, they won't get you anywhere. Um, just be more humble and don't boast around, you know, with whatever it is, just, do do the hard work, um, even if it's not necessary. Do the hard work if it's the right way to do it. Like growing a garden, is it more efficient? Is it faster to go buy a whole bunch of groceries from the grocery store and vegetables? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, is it the right way? Oh, I don't know. It's your choice. You do whatever you want. But, um, you know, put wild game in the freezer and focus on that hunt with your freezer in mind and your stomach in mind not with a pile picture in mind um 
you know, that, that type of mentality, just go at life like that and it will come back. Um, yeah. A lot of doors have opened up for me in the last 15 years because I live like that. That's how I hunt. That's how I carry on with my life. I don't give a shit if you don't like it. I know a lot of guys that don't like to hunt with me probably have talked bad about me behind my back because I taken you getting on people's cases for not doing that yeah, type of shit. Yep. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll rip on them. You know, I like call them out on it. I call them out on their bullshit. Something that I don't agree with that I don't think is respectful. And, uh, oh yeah, I've burned some bridges doing that, but Hey, it's, it's, it's I the way you want right. to live. Yep. It's the way, yeah, it's my opinion. Yeah. I'm entitled to it. So, well, it's opened doors for you with Sitka and mm -hmm. look at all the shit you've done with Sitka. Yeah. Yeah. Oh those guys, um, you know, just start talking to some of those guys and having them hear my story and kind of how I was brought up and what we're into with. And they're like, we want to film that. Yeah. Shit. Killing fish and killing animals and, and, and hunting with my, my freezer in mind and, um, and growing a garden and whatever. And they're like, oh, this whole package is pretty cool. We're going to focus on this and do some stories over here. This is not so. really highlighted these days. Not really. No. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, uh, I thought that was one of the coolest things. Cause like, obviously you pissed me off all those years ago, but it was, it was for the better for your own good. You know, it, it absolutely was for my own good. And like doing research on you. And like when Simon started hanging out with you, I'm like, ah, really? <laughs> and then I started like, following you and like seeing what you're doing i was like okay this is pretty fucking cool i need to let my stupid pride and my bullshit go <laughs> like he was just like i was just an annoying kid at game fair you know yeah, yeah. just like bothering the guy and now i'm at game fair and i'm like goodbye uh, you know yeah. what i mean like i totally understand <laughs> I, it now i can't believe that <laughs> That happened. So how, I mean, how hot it's was awesome. it that day? Do you remember the temperature? Like <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. probably a heat index probably in one like today. Like you know? today. Right. Yeah. Unreal. Oh my right. god. Well, and I, so when I was young, dude, it's not me. I was honestly. a, I was a dink. Yeah. You know, I'm sure yeah. I was like, give me all your attention. You probably, <laughs> I need your attention. <laughs> yeah, you were like, this kid's trouble. <laughs> um, but then following you over the years, I'm like, wow, this guy is doing some really cool shit, and oh, I have thanks. nothing to be upset about. And plus, it made me a better human in general. Perfect. You know. Cool. It works so, out. Worked out. Great last question for you. Tell us the craziest hunting story you have. Like, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you hunting or, like... Well, I, Cal, I don't know if you know this, but Corey is, like, a band connoisseur, oh, which I, we I haven't talked that. about. Yeah. But, like, you went trying to find a red, white, and blue neck collar. I got it. Right? I got it done. That's so sick, dude. I got it done. Um, Yeah, that was my... That was well, my... we have to have him back. I mean, my, obviously. Right. That was my... 180 inch trophy trophy buck right there was red white and blue honker neck collars um once i figured out that they made them and they existed i was like okay i'm gonna kill them so i set out it's unreal set out got those got it done um got it done and the white one was the last one i um, thought it was saskatchewan was your last one no saskatchewan was a was a was a Ross goose, blue collar on a Ross goose, but that's not in that deal. Right. Um, What'd you do? Blue earth? Yep. Yep. Blue earth. Saskatchewan nope. for red. Nope. Uh, Alaska and then Tennessee for white. Yeah. Yep. So, so I tried to kill and I found and I shot at, kind of shot at um, two Chicago birds. I really, really wanted a white Chicago bird from Ryan Askren. His study. Um, 
found a couple, like the Chicago birds would kind of trickle through my area a little tiny bit, catch a corner of Lake of the Woods. And I put so much time focusing on trying to kill one of those. And a couple people in the area did out of like randomly got lucky. And I was never able to get one. I was, I spent way too much time trying yeah. to find yeah. those damn That's things. That's pretty cool but though, dude. It is the, cool. There's a couple of GPSs on some of those and that maps are awesome. They're really neat. The, the oval looking migration that they um, run north and south on. But uh, so anyway, I just like waved the white flag on those Chicago birds. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. They're so few and far between. Well, the, the study so. that they did on them is nonsense where they thought they were there all year. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they're going north of Thunder Bay. Yeah, for sure. You know, and but like all these other birds are coming in and they would just peace out. Yeah. Like overnight. Yep. Yep. So cool. I did so much research on that study because yeah. we went in hunting uh, with, uh, what was that, when we were in Joliet? Foul feathers? Yeah, foul feathers. Foul feathers. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they hunt right near the Chicago metro. Oh, yep. okay. Gr- and great like, dudes. As we were going out there, I'm like, oh, shit, there's like a huge study out there. Yeah. This is so cool. And then I looked at all the band tracking and the GPS transmitter mm-hmm. data, and I'm like, whoa, these birds are fucking moving, dude. Yep. Because they thought they had like 20,000 residents hanging out there all year. In reality, they are migrating hard. Yeah. And they don't come back to like, what, January? I don't know. I mean. Like they head north so early in the year and they don't come all the way back until like January, February. Oh, wow. Okay. Like it was, it was a weird migration pattern where everyone was like, why? Yeah. Oh, that is really goofy. We were catching... We were catching the Chicago birds on the molt migration in early September. Mm. They would go up like straight north and then they would come down a little bit west. And that's when a couple of the ones that would come west would hit like Lake of the Woods area. And uh, that's kind of where you'd find them. There was a couple shot kind of in my backyard. Um, Thief River Falls, Red Lake Falls. I know um, a couple local kids that, that killed them um, over there, but they're just so few and far between. Yeah, I looked at. Tens of thousands of birds and trying to find those. But the craziest, the craziest story, waterfowl hunting story, crazier than any neck hauler, sitting there oh, photographing. I used deadly decoys, honkers, for two years, exclusively deadlies for two years. Why? A long time ago. To no one else was doing it. And I needed to, and I believed that they would work. But I just had a this question like, I know they're gonna work. I just don't know if they're why they wouldn't. And I just had to prove it to myself that you can kill honkers over. They're not the most realistic looking <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, um, but they have a time and a place. So I used those for two years, and so I was photographing a bunch of birds down in Fergus Falls. Um, set up found this feed oh those are those weird ones on stakes that are flapping no i mean these are just like deadly snow goose decoys you know like this like a lot of people use the snow goose they have they were like the one of the original ones that had the 3d molded head and then they Mm. were the bag behind it so the honkers were the same way like 3d like a plastic head and then a bag behind it that was deadly and it was like back way back it was like for snow geese, you ran deadly socks or solo socks, you know, yep. way back or whatever. So running 
those exclusively for a couple years. It was badass not hooking up to my trailer one time in two years and throwing everything in a seed bag in the back of the pickup box. Um, we got them to work really good multiple times. I learned so much about geese and decoys and how geese perceive decoys from using those not very good looking decoys for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned, uh, I'm very glad I did it. It was, it was really cool. Um, so anyway, we're taking some photos, my, myself, my brother-in-law, we're set up in some ground blinds. We have shotguns with, we're not really going to use them probably unless something like see something, whatever. So like we're set up just super weird, like a long ways away from each other in the spread. And we both had cameras and the roost starts blowing up and, Starts coming in, so here come the geese, and we're snapping pictures, and they're landing. I had killed one goose, so this is this is important. One of the first honkers that came in, it was just a couple birds, and it just flew right over the top of me. I was like, I just want to kill one, and I'm not going to scare anything away, so I just shot this bird and got it and put it, like, curled it up like a sleeper, like, right behind my ground blind. And I was set up on a fence row that was an old, old fence row that – didn't have many posts and then like 80 to 100 yards in front of me there was a fence post there but where that fence row was it's an old old fence row where the ground had gotten higher right there so they always the mound right there so I was like the highest thing so I was kind of looking down over the spread only just a couple feet but I was like my head was like the highest thing this is important too of the part of the story so I'm explaining all these details (laughs) sounds dumb so anyway, we're sitting there and geese start pouring off. I have this one dead honker. It's right by me and geese are pouring off and they're coming in and we're taking pictures and we took some pictures of some ducks. And, and then we're sitting there and one of the guys said he might, he's going to drive by and he might come out to hunt with us. So I was like, okay, I had it back in my mind. Like he might come out there at some point. So there's like a lot of geese in the decoys right now, kind of in the decoys and on the edge. And there's like maybe 2000 or something. There's a shit pile of them. Oh shit. And, um, so then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I remember I had an old, um, that Avery skull cap, the beanie, the fleece beanie, Mm -hmm. super popular, had one of those on and it was camouflage. And I was sitting up in my ground blind. So my arms were above the armrests. So I was taking pictures. So my head is the tallest thing. And all of a sudden I feel, I guess you'll, in a podcast, I'll have to explain this, what what I felt. But what I felt was like uh, someone's hand. We're half a mile from the road. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the middle of the field. Yeah. What I felt was like someone's hand setting, just setting on top of my head. Like someone just placed their hand on top of my head. And put like four, three, four pounds of pressure on my head. And I got my camera up to my face. And I'm like, and I froze. It happened and I just, I didn't even flinch. I just froze. And that's all, that's all I feel is like a hand under my head. And I, and like all the birds' necks go up. So I'm like, whoa, shit. I'm like, oh, dude's out here. Like, I don't Touching know how the me. hell he snuck up here to the middle of a chisel plowed field. But I was like, I better take a couple more pictures because the geese are going to fly away because the dude's here. Like, yeah, yeah. What the hell? And so I take a few more pictures and I'm my, now the hair's standing up on the back of my neck. 
This is honest Gross. to God. I'll, if you have a Bible, I will tell the story with my hand on the Bible right now. I swear to God, this happened. Honest truth. So I'm like, now I'm getting freaked out. I'm like, what in the hell? Who is behind me? And how did they get here? <laughs> like, there's 2,000 honkers, like, within. The furthest ones are, like, a ways away. Cut me out 300 yards. But the closest ones are, like, 50 yards away. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're right, they're right here. They're in. And I'm like, so I, like, put my camera down. And I was like, what's up? <laughs> Nothing. Silence. Oh my gosh. So then I'm my eyes are this big. And I'm like, I don't know who's behind me right now, but the only thing I could think of is I was about to get my throat slit because I have no like the person did not answer me. I said, "What's up?" and it's silence. And I'm so freaked out. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I not dead yet? Like, I'm going to get my throat cut. I have no clue who's behind me or why they put their hand on my head. And I go to turn like this, right? And I swear to God, feel claws come through my hat. Oh. And like, my touch my scalp. Gosh. And I, I'm freaked out and I spin around and it's like commotion and I spin around like three no five feet behind me there's a snowy owl sitting there oh my god so my head was the highest thing of anything because it was a fence row so i was high up on the ground that snowy owl came from behind me that's why i didn't hear anything at all and he sat, and he down. sat on my Holy fucking shit. head this is honest to god truth and like for not a little bit, like I had to, I went back and he looked was perching. at perching. It perched up there because he was looking at the honker that I killed. Because I was the honker that I killed was right by me, so I had that snowy owl sitting. Like I looked at the timestamps on the pictures because I was looking through the pictures, and then all oh, no the shit. honkers' heads are up. It was like thirty seconds. I was scared to death. I was gonna die right then. That's unbelievable. I thought it was a human. I, I, and then I said, "What's up?" And I got no response. And I sat there in <laughs> sheer fear, shitting my pants. I was yeah. because like, okay, you snuck up out here. I'm thinking it's a human, like, and you put your hand on my head and then I said something like, and then no response. Right. Back. Right. Yeah. They're ready to kill you. Just creepy silence. And then it's a snowy owl. So he's right behind me, jumps off my head and like lands right there. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him and we're both like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing here? And yeah. then he flies in, it, he like loops around the decoys and then landed on the the fence post like out in front of you like 100 post, yards like, yeah 100 some yards yeah. i got a picture of him damn um, out there on the fence post like i have a picture of the snowy owl but i don't tell that story very much because it just makes me sound like i was doing meth out there in the field that's like, unreal it's so bizarre well you're in the area to do math too <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah my that's next, my next door neighbor that's <laughs> he made the newspaper again yesterday <laughs> oh no just putting ted on blast oh my gosh dude oh. that's I think that's the craziest hunting story we've had so far. Uh, you were so still that a snowy owl landed on your damn head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Because have you seen that? Uh, remember, like, uh, the show Fight Science? No. No? They did, like, cool shit where they kick a, a crash test dummy where it's, like, every type of martial artist, like, who has the strongest punch? Okay, yeah. Who has the strongest kick? And, like, they would kick a crash test dummy it's like, oh, oh, the Muay Thai artist 
had 2,000 pounds of pressure okay. in his kick. Yep. And it shows, like, they did an x-ray thing, so you could see the momentum through his, like, lead foot going up his leg. You can see all those muscles tense up and release in the other leg. Mm-hmm. Coolest shit ever. And then they did something of a pigeon flying over, and you can hear the pigeon. Then it did, like, a canary. Then it did um, a snowy owl. No noise. No, I can zero noise. I will test, test that. I will yeah. test. <laughs> you can hear it, like with the pigeon. Yeah, they did a duck. Like they did all these different birds and yep. an owl. Literally zero yep. decibels. Yep. It's like holy shit. So that's why the Native Americans put owl feathers, owl feathers. in their bows mm-hmm. or in their arrows. On their arrows, right? Because the yep. because the animals couldn't hear it coming. Yep. It's just like whoa, it's so cool. Yeah, that's so sick. Dude. Unbelievable. Uh. It was Carter. so crazy when his claws, like just barely, not enough to do any damage or hurt, but it was just so, such a weird feeling in my head when his yeah. claws, like, like slowly pushed reach off out enough. Because I was turning my head. So he yeah. was freaked out that this fence post is moving and he just pushes off like that. And as he pushes off, the claws, like, just pierced my hat enough to just, like, pier- like not pierce my head, but, like, I could yeah, feel, yeah, feel like a it. prick. You could feel the pressure. Whoa. That's the weirdest place my head's ever been in my life right now. Well, there. and you're already that like just, on guard. Oh, full. <laughs> oh, no shit. You thought so you were feeling like yeah. you're six And now you're being injected. Out. Here's yeah. a needle going in your yeah. head. Oh. Dude, well, in like cool. raptor centers, right? Like even at Game Fair, they have like falconers there. Mm-hmm. And like you can see yeah. the amount of leather that they have on their arms yeah. and oh, shit. Yeah. And like a, an owl has like some of the sharpest talons out there. I'm glad he didn't grab a hold. He was yeah. leaving. No shit. That was yeah. Good, so. <laughs> That's so nuts. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hell yeah. It was awesome. Thank you Great. for the salmon. You bet. Sorry for crushing your hopes and dreams 10 years ago. I'll it's make okay, it up to dude. <laughs> it, it made me a better person. No, but now you're a recurring guest. So once you come on once, you have to come on any time now. Okay. So that's how Let's it works. I think we'll chase, just have to do a hunt together. Let's go chase some bands. Yeah. Oh, I'll this is a band year, dude. I'll, I'll find them. This is the band year. <laughs> yeah, on Tuesday, Joey shot 15 of 40 were banded. In no, in no doubt. If I would have been there, it would have been 20, but <laughs> for sure. 100%. Yeah, you would have shot more. <laughs> Guys, go Unreal. find Corey Loeffler on Instagram at Corey Loeffler. And then go. also go follow his call page at DRC Call Company. Yeah, right? DRC. Yeah. You bet. Let's go cook something. Hell Let's yeah. go cook some shit. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, leave us a review, guys. See you soon. Hey, Corey. Subscribe. One more thing. 